0: Hey, Chair City Church, how you doing? Oh, oh, I am a Spartan! <laughs> For our guests, we'll get to that, okay? <laughs> so we're in week three of our series, Change Thinking. It's the final week. It's been good. First week we talked about uh, guilt, next week anxiety, I've got some good uh, emails, texts coming for you on those, people's lives being changed. Uh, this week we're going to kind of, it's discouragement. We're going to be kind of hitting it from a disappointment, you know, place and uh, just how, you know, this discouragement thing can affect us. Um, but on the flip side of that discouragement is this word called hope. And hope's a great word, right? Hope is a favorable and confident expectation. God has made us. As human beings to hope, no other creature in all the universe can hope, let alone hope the way we can hope, to to think of our future and our circumstances from a place of hope, meaning a favorable and confident expectation. We often have thoughts of hope, right? I hope that guy or girl likes me, huh? I hope I get that house. I hope I get the girl and the house would be nice, right? I got the girl in the house, and that's cool. It worked for me really well. We often hope. It's a significant driver of our actions. Hope is the reason we get married. We want somebody that's going to love us for the rest of our lives. We hope for that. Hope is the reason we have children, and we hope that they will love us back. Hope is why we prepare for college or to train for a particular trade, right? Huh? Hope is the reason we work out and take care of ourselves. And this is a good time to let you know that I ran a Spartan race yesterday. Huh? Yeah? And I finished the Spartan race, my wife said. Right? I don't know how many people had hoped that I would, but I did. I finished the Spartan race, right? Now, here, hope is why we read the Bible. Hope is why we're here today. We all hope. So the question is not if you hope, but what. You hope for. What are you hoping for? One indicator of what we're hoping for is disappointment, right? Our disappointment reveals those things we are hoping for. There's a verse found in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We we all know what it's like to have a hope deferred, not realized. Maybe it's a promotion you didn't get. Maybe it's that lower grade than you hoped for. I certainly know what that felt like. Maybe a person you cared for or care for has not responded in a way that you hoped for in a particular situation, and 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 it, it makes you in your soul, your heart sick. And maybe that's been, it wasn't just an episode, but it's been carrying on. It's a cloud in that relationship. Maybe that child hasn't arrived yet. That deal fell through. The tumor came back. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We all know what that feels like, right? We know what disappointment feels like. And and we we even know... What disappointment looks like. We don't even have to put a, a, a word to it. Just by looking at somebody in their face, we know what disappointment looks like. Have you seen the video of the, the guy who proposes to his girlfriend in a McDonald's drive-thru? Okay, let's play the clip.
1: Will you marry me? Michael and Anne have been dating for two years, and after their first date, they ended up at a McDonald's. So Michael decided to return to that exact same McDonald's drive through to propose to his girlfriend. Not only was Anne shocked, we also don't think Michael really expected her to react this way. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not serious. You- you can't do you can't do this. It's not, <laughs> Say something. No, what you do. No, no. Oh. Michael tells Inside Edition that he asked the fast food chain for permission ahead of time. He even practiced with them the night before. I can't marry you. What do you mean you can't marry me?
0: You just asked me on a
1: bun? I mean I had them all everyone was involved. every like i even called your dad they knew everyone knew about this Michael knew she would never expect him to ask the big question in the car at a McDonald's drive-through and he thought it would be a wonderful surprise hey what's wrong what huh? what why say something <gasps> what the Believe it or not, he says they're still together, but not getting married just yet. <laughs> marry you on a, on a chicken
0: sandwich?
1: While some people think this could be a viral hoax, Michael tells us that it was all real. This is a joke. Don't forget to tune in
0: to Inside Edition. All right, so that's a disappointment, right? <laughs> Maybe you should have took her to Chick-fil-A, right? So, the, But, you know... Guys, if you're paying attention, don't do that, man. And if you're unsure, just talk to people around you. Get some coaching when it comes to that stuff. But you could see the look on the guy's face, hope deferred, makes the heart sick. And he was looking pretty sick there, wasn't he? If you live long enough, you'll figure out that people, circumstances, relationships, health, all these things will disappoint you at one time or another. The question is not if you will face disappointment. The question is when you will face disappointment. And the question is not if you hope. The question is where are you placing your ultimate hope? This is, this is what it comes out. Where are you placing your ultimate hope? Because this is what is the remedy to handling disappointments in a godly and healthy way, in a great cognitive way, in an emotional way, that you hold those disappointments and you keep them there to slowly... Uh, have them dissipated versus them growing from disappointment to discouragement, from discouragement to despair. Huh? You've got one life. You cannot afford to place your ultimate hope in things, in material things, in temporary things, in anything other than Jesus Christ. Because these other things simply cannot sustain your ultimate hope. It, It cannot nurture your ultimate hope. In the Bible, we see a lot of disappointment. Sarah bearing children. We see Joseph sold into slavery after having this magnificent dream. Huh? And then we read of David and what he went through. All this disappointment. But each one of them and more did not allow or would not have disappointment. Turned them away from God. Instead, that disappointment, they fueled it and they went towards God with their disappointment. Do you hear me? They took that disappointment, funneled it through their trust, their faith, and their hope in God, and they placed it right there. Dr. Montlloyd Jones, speaking about David, uh, he writes these words in a book called Spiritual Depression. It's a very good book. I've read not all of it, but a chunk of it. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? For instance, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, even what's coming on you today, your perceptions of what's coming today. Someone is talking. Who is talking to you? Right? Yourself is talking to you. And now he jumps in to David and and how David handled what he's proposing here of yourself talking and then you talking to yourself. In Psalm chapter 42 verses 1 through 5, it's David writes, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for the God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? I mean, he, he's, he's in a place of, he's gone from disappointment to discouragement to despair. The tears are all I have. They're my food. I, I, I can't even go and worship God in the temple. I can't even be before him. My enemies are mocking me. He said, verse 4, my heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be. I walked, I once walked along the crowds of worshipers, my friends, my families, leading a great procession into the house of God to worship God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. I remember how that was. I remember what I've lost King Saul is chasing him. King Saul, who's lied about him, slandered him, now has him on the run. David's running out and hiding out in caves in the wilderness. Saul is pursuing him to kill him. And David is remembering the things he's lost, what seemingly no longer is. He's ruminating on that in verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 42. And now we see verse 5. The same David says these words. Why am I discouraged? Who he's talking to? He's talking to himself. He's speaking back into his life. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. Huh? I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Dr. Jones says instead of allowing this self-help to talk to him, he starts talking to himself, Right? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. David's disappointed. He's discouraged. He's, he's clearly tossing out words like, my soul is disturbed. And what does he do? He talks to himself and reminds himself of his ultimate hope in God. Now, David goes back and forth. Now, I do this. I, talk, I don't know about you. I talk to myself. I mean, I, as I said, we all... We have this, we're talking to ourselves internally, but I, I've made it a habit of talking back to myself. If you're around me in my family, you'll, have, you'll hear me see me having these little conversations with myself during the day from time to time. Sometimes it happens, I don't mean to, out in public at times. I'll be sitting there just having a conversation and talking to myself. Like that's the pastor of Church City Church, that's good. <laughs> but we see now kind of this conversation with David and himself goes through Psalm 42, and now we see it kind of, Open up a bit more in Psalm 43, verse 5. And David says this, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbing with me? He's going back and forth. And then he says to himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Meaning I have hope for the things I'm going to be praising God for. I will yet praise him. I'm going to praise God for what he's done and what he's going to do. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David tells himself, this is where I'm going and this is where I'm going to place my hope in, in my God and my Savior. Listen, we have a lot of thoughts each day, literally like thousands of thoughts. It's, it's, It's in the several thousands of thoughts each day of flying through your mind. When disappointment comes your way, and it will come your way, And you hang in and hang on to that place of disappointment. Some of you are more than you realize living perpetually in places of disappointment. And when you hang in there long enough, your enemy, Satan's plan, we believe in God, we believe in Satan. Satan's plan is to bring you from disappointment to discouragement, from discouragement to despair. Be aware of your thoughts of disappointment. Be aware of how many thoughts you have each day of disappointment. Start to open up and examine them and be sensitive to, wow, is that disappointment moving to discouragement? Because now it's not a thought, but I'm actually starting to feel some weight on this. When you face disappointment right there, the Bible says to take every thought captive. When you're aware of that disappointment, pause and say, okay, I'm going to place this in my hope in God Right. It's not what I've done. It's not what this has happened. It's not what I expected. It's right in the hands of a living and a loving and a faithful God. I'm placing my hope in God, huh? And I will praise Him. During the time we know is World War II, uh, Viktor Frankl was taken prisoner by the Nazis. Um, they put him in a concentration camp. Prior, during, prior to putting him in a concentration camp, they, they took all his possessions, everything he had. They killed his family. And now here he is in the concentration camps watching family and friends die all around him. He made it through the concentration camp. I've mentioned it before. And he writes, goes on to write a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a quote, it's a good quote that I'd like to share with you today and it kind of connects to what I'm talking to you. He says, no matter what my captors, I want you to understand, he's right, these words, he's kind of, he's reflecting back on what he wrote and where he was when he was in the concentration camp. So these are the words that he's articulating in the concentration camp, having lost everything. He says, no matter what my captors take away from me, they cannot take away that ultimate freedom to choose my own attitude, the posture of my own heart. That's the freedom we have as children of God. That's the choice we can make to choose the posture of our heart, to choose what we ultimately hope in, huh? Hope is a powerful force. I tell you, I don't think there's anything more powerful than hope. And I don't think there's anything more destructive and deadly than a lack of hope. When hope doesn't exist, we're going to face minor and major disappointments we want to address both. We want to address, especially those major disappointments, immediately, and begin to check and be aware of the posture of our heart, of the attitude of our hearts, and we so they don't become discouragements. Last week, I shared with you about, a, kind of like in an, an impromptu way, with you and my family on the spot, about that I had come to a decision to not complete assignments. <laughs> Uh, for my class in seminary, and that would mean I would fail the class. I'd taken two classes, and I'd pass one, but I would fail that class. And, and I'm going to tell you, and that and that came as a result of days of really intensity and stress and working through my class. I completed a research paper. Now I had to do the exam, and just to realize that, that this this is not what this was supposed to be. I'm not well in spirit. I'm not well in my home. Uh, it's it just, no, this is wrong. And mostly just this conviction from God just weighing in me that David, there's a better way and this is not for you to keep going. And so I kind of made it public what was going on internally. This is it. And so, you know, what? I felt free. I really did. I felt so wonderful that Sunday, you know, even took Christy out. And then Monday the next day was Christy's birthday. And it was awesome. Like, wow, right now I'd be like just marred in, in my computer, my office, typing away, the, you know, preparing for an exam, a large exam. I so said, now I'm just enjoying the time with my wife. And then Tuesday came in. Boom. Now I'm back in my office. And I'm starting to look at the, you know, the calendar. Because, again, this, this whole season was going to be a culmination of like four years. You know? I mean, it was like going to be like, okay, we we're going to have Easter. one Early winter, you know, when I kind of started planning things, the way the calendar mapped out was Easter was going to be April 21st. May 2nd was going to be the ending of a semester in seminary. This was going to be a UG set. I, I think we'd see record. I thought maybe we're going to see record numbers. I wonder if we're going to go over 500 people on Easter. I mean, That's, that's ex- extraordinary for a church in New England. And then maybe, and then I'm going to finish two more classes. I'm going to go under 10 for the amount of classes I have left for a master's in counseling. Come on, man. My internship is done. I got this, baby. And then, and then May 11th, the Spartan race. 53 years old. I'm going to do a Spartan race. And that is going to just be going to take me to. It's going to be the culmination of four years of 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 purchasing buildings, renovating, taking a church from a hundred to about well, maybe nearing up, 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 almost four hundred people on Sunday with two services. This this is going to be it. And I, and I had this beautiful picture of victory and success, right? And Easter was really incredible. All for all of us, six hundred and sixty people, record numbers. We've grown. We we were. You know, most of the time on Easter, after a big Easter, churches will come down afterwards to the same attendance. Maybe they'll drop a bit. We've grown by 10% in attendance since Easter. You guys are crazy. These are awesome. So now, you know, and, I, and but now, and, and, and as I and, and I, as I planned out what it would like, we do that right. We have these; we're able to have a future orientation. And as I planned out what this would look like, Easter would be a record number, and it was. And then you know, I would pass to do classes, and then and then the Spartan race. That was just like, that was gonna be it, man. You know, I, and I don't put much on Facebook. Actually, I don't put anything on Facebook for myself. But I couldn't. Inv- I was gonna post on Facebook. You know, it was gonna be like after I finished the Spartan race. You know, hashtag like you know you know no games, you know, only games, no play, or something like that. What I actually wrote down, games, only, no play, you know, like, you know? And now, here I am, I'm looking at my calendar, I'm looking at some notes I made, because I journal a little bit, and I realized, wow, I, I failed the class, man. First time, I failed the class. And um, that picture I had, you know, what I wanted to be, is uh, is now been kind of marred. It's been tarnished, and I have more classes to take. And I'm like, wow, if I would have prepared more. And and then all of a sudden I look just right out, and here I am, four days away from the Spartan race. And I've been getting more and more, and you know, I've been thinking about it. And, and and I, I actually watched another video, and they showed the uh, what they're getting closer. This is what's going to be in the event. And one of them is like this Atlas ball they call it. Okay, so it's a 70- 70 or 75-pound concrete ball. You've got to get on your knees, and, and Mike Wagner was coaching me. You've got to get on your knees in the dirt, and you've got to roll this 75-pound concrete bowling ball up your leg. Then you've got to get it, and then you've got to pick it up, and then you've got to carry it about 50, 60 feet, drop it, do five burpees. You know what a burpee is? All right, you've got to turn around and, you know, And you gotta do a burpee. You gotta do five of them, man, okay? (laughs) Now, It's one thing to do a burpee. It's another thing after you've ran well over a mile in the woods through mud and over trees and rocks and all of this stuff and up and down, and then they carry this 75-pound ball and then drop it and then do five burpees. And then when you're done with the five burpees, pick it back up again, roll it up your body. Mike was helping one guy he picked it up. He's like, "Oh yeah, you could do." The guy just like sat down. He's like, "I can't move." <laughs> Mike, and then carry it back. So, so I'm looking at these things, and you know what I realize? I'm like, okay, um, I've not trained well. Meaning on a scale of 1 to 10, I think I'm at about a 4 to a 5 that I've trained for this event. And all of a sudden, I see more failure. I'm like, okay, Dave, you, you, you're not going to be able to finish this, man. You are not, not going to be able to do these things. Some, maybe most of them, probably not. No way, you're not going to do it. Is a good likelihood now. It's like hashtag humiliation, hashtag heart attack, right? (laughs) And just I just begin to get weighed. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I the disappointment is setting in. How did this happen? All four. I just wanted this moment of the culmination of four years just to have this beautiful ending and and that picture I had, and it's kind of coming apart, it's being frayed. And I really was, and I knew, I recognized. I said, okay, I'm. I know I don't want to go to discouragement. Chris was a great help. I'm just gonna hold on to disappointment because it is. It's disappointing, man. What's going on? And then we come on race day, right? And suddenly, you know what? Easter is slowly drifting away. I'm focusing more on what I'm losing and what I've lost, and I'm really suddenly Easter is kind of just in the distance, huh? And all that happened—regrets, disappointment—is filling in. Race day comes. Now that day. Who's running here? A group from the church is me, Jason, my son, Uh, Sherry? Sherry, okay. Sherry Engman, uh, Mike Wagner, Matt Patez. And and when we get there, we start walking around, you know, to observe the events. And I'm I'm looking at the obstacles. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, you know, now that I'm seeing them in person, the videos, I think I can do this. You know, I'm looking like, you know, some of the bars. I'm looking at some of the heist. You got to, you know, pull up some things, the rope you got to climb. And I'm looking, at, and I'm like, wow. And I turned to Chris. you know, Chris, yeah, I, I think I could do this. And I start to feel like, you know, a bit better. And she looks at me. She says, Dave. She goes, that's the kids' course. <laughs> it's interesting. And I look at her as a husband only could look at his wife and say, you, you just took all the air out of my body, I told her. I said, you've just drained me, man, you know? And then we start to go to see the obstacles I will be doing. I don't know if they got them up there. But then I start to see the obstacles I will be doing. And they're just intimidating me. And that's like the hoistful. I mean, they're just like really, really intense and overwhelming. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, this, this is going to get bad. So I'm struggling. But now it's coming closer to time to go up to the, to the starting line, you know, and, and we get up there, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, uh, Cherie, she, she wants to go, I want to, like, hang out in the back, like, where nobody can see me, and, like, there's, like, probably 250 people. No, no, Cherie wants to go up to the front. She's, like, all game. She's ready to go. And I said, hey, I got these Marines, and Fireman Matt, Marine, Mike, and some of his buddies and my son, so now we go up to the front, right? And, uh, and I'm hanging. They actually have some pictures of me, like, like with my hands over my face. Like the agony is already on me, and I haven't taken one step, man, you know? But as we're coming towards the, as we're coming up there, we were kind of all in different places. We actually hadn't come together as a group. But right there, about maybe 100 feet from the finish line, we kind of all came together. Then close to 50 feet, we all kind of came together, the group. And right there, I just started looking around. I see my wife, my daughters, my son. Uh, Mike, Matt, Cherie, you know, I see the group, and I just, you know, even my little guys, Eli Einstein and and Mason and Shakia, and I just just start feeling better. I just start feeling good because I'm taking in the goodness of God, right? And on the way up there, really before I even got into this group, I'm getting texts from the people who went to freedom. So we have a, a life group here. We call it Freedom, Living in Freedom Every Day. And we had twenty. They were twelve weeks. They met together, and then for two days they go on a retreat down in Sutton, Massachusetts. We had twenty-five people go to the freedom <laughs> retreat. How cool is that? <laughs> Me and Christy went out to meet with them to take them out to, uh, you know, to uh, we do. It's a traditional thing. We went out and met with them late at night after they finished their first session. We were with them till midnight, you know, just about midnight Friday night. What a wonderful group. And they're starting to text me individually about things that are happening to them at the retreat. How, how they're being set free from that. They're growing in this area. Their life is being changed. How they looked at a particular thing in their marriage. They don't see it that way anymore. These are the texts I'm getting from different people. Uh, actually, one person showed me today, I, I think is a result of the retreat, or probably a combination of everything that's happening here at Chair City, they're gonna bring just kind of a healing uh, to a relationship. And as I'm reading this, I'm just really beginning to, wow, I'm having hope, right? This is where my hope is. I'm not really thinking about humiliation. I'm not thinking about what I lost. I'm thinking about hope. And I'm just starting to feel settled in now. I don't, I don't, I don't have these wonderful thoughts about the race, right? I, I, I think pain is ahead, you know? I'm thinking, yeah, this is what Jesus felt like. I'm not. There's no comparison, but just I'm just talking to myself, like, okay, here we go, man. This is going to be bad. But I'm feeling hope. And then we go, and you know, and then they line you up, and it's like, whoa, whoa, right? They go at it. And then we go. And, uh, you know, and I start to feel this energy. I'm focusing on what I have, not on what I've lost. You know? Now we get past the one mile mark, and when we get there, you know, I'm in pain. At one mile, again, running through the woods up and down, I'm in, I'm in a good amount of pain now. And, uh, and I'm already starting to struggle a bit physically. I think we've done one. Then we do the Atlas. I get to the Atlas, and as I've told you, I, I did it. I completed the Atlas. I was pretty. I was struggling when I completed the Atlas. I kind of like stumbled over to the water table. I could, you know, you know, you're in trouble when like Mike had to like hand me the water, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm using two hands, you know, to, to hold up the water cup, and I, and I'm like lipping, you know, the water. And uh, then we go a little bit more, and there's this sign? And clearly, we're about the halfway mark. And Mike tells me, he's like, Pastor, you're halfway, man, you're halfway. And he's telling me to encourage me. And it's like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. It's like, not encouraging at all. And, sign, and this is what the sign says. It says, you do the first half of the race with your legs. You do the second half with your mind. And I laughed. I said, oh, oh it's so true. It's so true right now. And I just start thinking about my faith and thinking about God and put my hope in God. Really, I'm I'm just, I'm just gonna okay, one one step at a time, one step at a time. I'm gonna finish this out right here. My mind and my heart. I'm gonna be in a good place. I don't think I'm gonna finish, but wherever it this lands, I'm gonna be in a good place, right? No disappointments, no regrets. Glory to God. So, I keep going. You know, i go now past two miles, you know, some obstacles. Mike helped me with the monkey bars. He, I jumped up, and he kind of just kept running behind me, and I'd land on his shoulder, and I'd jump back up, and I'd fly, and he'd land on his and would jump and fly. I had to do 30 burpees. I couldn't do the rope. Man, I, I'm just going to tell you, it's just pain, man. It's just pain. Nothing but pain. But I did the 30 burpees, and now we get to the last third of the race. I'm gonna tell you, I was just really in physically bad shape. I took a spill one time in the mud, and I just laid face first in the mud for like three minutes. I did not move, man. And now we come to the last few obstacles, and um, I gotta tell you, I can barely stand. Um, I had to do like, uh, I had to do like uh, 30 burpees. Uh, I, I couldn't do. Matt and Mike were doing burpees for me, and I did five. I did five burpees. I insisted. They argue with me. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I do the five burpees. I get up and I'm I'm wobbling. My daughter, my my family's watching it. One of my daughters starts crying, turns and walks away. She can't watch it anymore. That's how. That's my body was shaking. I'm in pretty bad condition here. And now we gotta go do the sandbag. That's when you take a 50 pound sandbag and you throw it on your shoulder and you walk a quarter of a mile. You know. And I had done the pail, which the pail weighs 60 pounds of stones in a bucket. No hand do you carry that for a quarter of a mile. And I did that. Now, when I did that, I fell four times. And each time I fell, I waited two minutes before I got back up. But I completed it. But now, I got much less than me. I got to do the sandbag. So I put it on me there telling me, look, pastor, we'll take it from you. Pastor, let us carry your pet No, no. I said, no, no. I wanna, when I stop, I stop. but I just want to keep going. You know what? I made it the court. I mean, granted, there were times I was walking sideways. Matt's like, you know, if you would just walk straight, it would help a lot, man. You know? <laughs> It'd be a lot shorter. It's only supposed to be a quarter of a mile, man. You're going to walk. You... And because uh, I'm walking, I'm walking side to side. I'm, I'm, I'm going backwards. I'm all over the place. And I finally get to the end, and, and Jason's like, Dad, it's, it's right up 50 more feet to the bins. I don't know if they showed, they showed the bins up there, but they have these bins. And right there, and I go over, and I literally fall into the bin. I'm so, I, I the, bag, the bag doesn't even come off me. You just me, the bag and me go into the bin. And now from the waist up, I'm in the bin with my feet out, and I'm just laying there. I'm not moving, man. I can't move. And so Mike and Matt, they come over, they pull me out of the bin. And now I'm in rough shape. I think after that, we had to do the crawl. It took me, you got to crawl on the barbed wire for like, I don't know, 150, 200 feet over rocks and everything. I, I barely got through Jason had to reach in the last bit and pull me out and drag me out because I couldn't move anymore. And so now we go, and here's the point. So what happened here was Jason and Matt, Mike was hanging with me 50 to 100 feet and sometimes right with me. Matt wasn't gonna leave, Mike wasn't going to leave my side. Matt, Mike's the Marine. Matt and Jason, Matt stayed with Jason. Jason crushed the course. They made it through in an hour. They came back around. And when they saw me struggling, they got back in the race. And so now i got these three guys with me. Sherry's a beast. She crushed it. She was ahead. i got the three of them with me, and they're talking to me. They're speaking to me, right? They're, they're, they're encouraging me. And at times they're, they're doing burpees for me. And at times they're physically helping me. When we got to the last one, the, where you have to hoist up this 100-pound bag of rocks, I, I, I'm just sitting there. I can't even do it. And I'm trying it there. Now they like, they like, pull. And I pull and they help me. They're like, pull. I'm like, and they help me. And we get it up and then we lower it down. And there's nothing left in me now. But I finish. I'm thinking, okay, is this it? I get up and I'm standing there. And I walk a bit. Actually, they help me walk. And then Mike turns around. He says, Pastor, he says, we got one more obstacle left. And I just, my head just sinks. I just like, I just drop my head down. My shoulders drop, downcast beyond downcast. And at that point, Matt Batez turns around. He says, well, you don't have to do it. You could quit. So, that, that, so, my, so you know it's a bad day when your Marine is more encouraging than the fireman, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, you could just quit, right? He was goading me, uh, you know, in a good way. He wants to get me going. But then Jason puts his hand on me. And uh, he says, Dad, look. He said, just look up. And I looked up, and there it was. Maybe, about 100, maybe 200 feet away, there was the finish line. And uh, I just, and, and Mike said, like, Pastor, you, you just got to jump over the fire pit. It's about a fire pit. It's about three feet wide, and about two or three feet high. They've got these logs set on fire. They're crazy, man. You got to run and jump over it, then you go to the finish line. He's like, Pastor, you can do this. You can do this, man. He's like, and so in the moment I saw the finish line, I just just literally hope, right? Hope. I just started to feel this surge in me. And they're like, okay. They're like, listen, just try and step. Just start walking. And Mike's like, look, we're going to walk with you. Just walk, walk, walk. He said, but you've got to jump over the fire pit. They actually had a plan if I fell in the fire pit what they were going to do. Uh, they told me later. They're like, just, just walk. So I want to show you. I think we have a clip of one. He goes, just walk, walk, walk. And when I tell you now, start running and then jump over. So let me show you the clip that we have. The music isn't us. That's actually what was happening there when they saw us coming out. I feel like the Avengers.
1: Go, Dad! Come on, Dad! Come on, Dad! Come on, Dad. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I got to pump my, and I, that's what I envisioned in early winter, me pumping my fist, cross, crossing the finish line. But I didn't imagine all that was, was gonna happen. I was just telling Chris in the green room that man, just this whole season has brought me to a, a deeper place and so many things have more meaning for them, like the word hope, right? I, I kind of almost caught the fire pit, by the way. I almost did go in the pit. I just, I just made it, I just cleared it by a little bit. So listen, what kept me going Hope got me to the sandbags. My friends, my family got me the rest of the way. I want you to get this now. Hope got me there. And I talked about when I sort of finished on hope. But let me tell you something without them standing there talking to me, without them holding me up, without them giving me instructions, man, I wasn't going anywhere. Hope got me. Hope kept me in the game. Hope powerfully, really, was beyond matter, beyond physical. Hope took me above it, right? But my friends and my family brought me the rest of the way. Here's what I want to tell you. When we face disappointment, we're prone to keeping it to ourselves, embellishing it maybe, hiding it, you know, putting a spin on it. When we go to discouragement now, we begin to isolate ourselves from those we love and even from our community of friends. It's a very common way that we deal with things. And then what happens? And then the enemy, Satan, we believe in God, we believe in the devil. Satan then says, this is beautiful. Just keep coming this way because I want to bring you to despair, to destroy you. And then we go from that discouragement to despair and we're more and more isolated. Sometimes you can even come around communities of people but stay very kind of isolated. You know, meaning, okay, getting our feet a little bit wet but not to the point that we're going to turn around and reveal this dispo- disappointment or dis- discuss our discouragement, right? We're going to we're going to, and you carry this more than you realize. Sometimes the totality of your life or sometimes in certain critical areas of your life. And what I want to tell you this is move out of isolation and come towards family and friends. Come to community. Gather with your church. Be part of small groups. Go out and volunteer in the GCAC and the baptism. All of this that we do is all so we can get together and have community. Every time we plan anything, we sit there and say, okay, we envision people connecting. We're looking to see how we can bring people together. Every single thing. The way we built this church. Look at the lobby. It's one-third the size of this room. That's an extraordinarily large lobby in proportion. We did it so you could gather and hang out. Go check in your kids. It's a pretty big space. We did it so you could hang out and get together and be in community. Everything we're doing, we're thinking of you coming and getting together so you would not be isolated, so that you could come together, carry one another's burdens, and live out your faith in an authentic, phenomenal, life changing way. Yes? Why are Christy and I hanging out with people at 11, 12 o'clock at night, the night before a spawn race? Community, hanging out with people, valuing one another, celebrating together. We love to celebrate. And we have so many reasons to celebrate. Listen, don't take your disappointment and your discouragement and go into isolation. Come into the community of Christ followers. Yes? All right. So, I got there, man, you know. (sighs) Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 10, verse 25, speaks to not giving up meeting together as some of you in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more you, as all the more you see the day approaching. Don't punish yourself by isolating yourself. Think about it. In prison, how do they punish people? Solitary confinement. If you've been around people who've been in prison, like I have significantly, they cannot stand it. They loathe it. It's like the worst punishment they can have in prison is to be so- have solitary confinement and we who have freedom practice in different ways to different degrees solitary confinement. Join together. Look for opportunities where you can participate in community. If you live long enough you're going to figure out that circumstances, people, relationships, jobs, health are going to disappoint you in one way or another. Here's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. It's a great quote. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. We must accept finite disappointment. It's finite. Finished. But we can never lose infinite hope. My attention was drawn to that word infinite, and I looked up the definition of the word infinite online, and I'm looking at words like limitless and boundless and in size, and it's impossible to measure. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, that's that's really the definition of hope, of godly hope, of hope in God. It's limitless, it's boundless. You can't measure it. All that it contains and all that it has for you. I'm thinking that's what David was placing his hope in there in the Psalm. This limitless, boundless, immeasurable hope we have in God. And then underneath the definition, and this is I, I did this so you could see. I'm on Google. I'm online. I can't play around with it. Then I, something catches my eye, and it, it just really it, it inspires me, knocks me out of my chair. And you're thinking, you know, Dave, you've been in seminary way too long. You're being inspired by reading a dictionary, right? Hang in there. After it gives me the definition of infinite, limitless, endless, size, impossible to measure, calculate, and then it uses as an example of the word in a sentence, the infinite mercy of God. I'm like, the infinite mercy of God. God is merciful. And, and, and here's what when, when I was preparing for that, I actually flipped this baby around. I, I cr- literally crawled out of bed. I actually kind of slid out of my bed at about five in the morning. My alarm went off at three. I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't get out of bed. I I slide out of bed at five, get on my knees, prop myself up, and I go down there, and, and, and I really worked pretty well, on a good amount on the sermon, and I start to do it. It's going to be this like slight, somewhat exposition of Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25, and about gathering and, and professing, and, and I'm like, this isn't the sermon I want to preach this morning. And so I just vigorously, talk. I got here at like two minutes after nine this morning, like they had already started worship, and everybody's like running around, and chaos. And, and, and this is kind of what's tied to it. One, we think mercy, right? I want you to know God often when we're talking about disappointments, it's not only the disappointment we have from others or from circumstances. Often like I was struggling, it's the disappointment we have with ourselves. That's what I was going through, the disappointment that I had in myself, that I had made mistakes when it came to time management, that I had made mistakes in assessing my schedule, that I had made mistakes in how I manage my life, you know, and who I am. That, you know, not my priorities. I set my priorities right. I was starting to violate that, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, but no, no, actually last week. And, and, and I began to dwell in what I should have did, what I could have did, and I began to dwell on those disappointments with myself. Today's Mother's Day. I'm a minister, uh, and and I function really for the most part as a mental health clinician as well in my internship recently. Uh, More than any other role that I have seen in life, moms struggle with disappointment. They do, moms and grandmothers. I think it just goes along with so much, disappointed in, you know, first of all, it's so hard to measure your efforts in your children because there's so many variables, and it's so inconsistent, and one day good, and one day looks terrible. The standards, the pressures, the expectations, all that's going on, you know. And so moms, I think, struggle with this disappointment. And then even as they begin to see things in their children that are difficult or painful uh, at 10, at 20, at 30, at 40, it just doesn't stop. They're struggling with this disappointment. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23 says this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Moms, grandmas, this morning, place your disappointments. Place that discouragement. Just place it towards God. Move towards God with it. Don't let it stay up in here. It could be your perception. It could be an exaggeration. But God did not intend for you to carry that. Place that into hope in God. Knowing that as you're even thinking about God, even aware that something that God is working in you and in the ones you love, we've seen that. Infinite is his mercies. Hope is infinite, limitless, boundless. Beyond what you can calculate or measure is God's mercy and is God's hope. Do you hear me this morning? So... Often on Mother's Day, we'll give out kind of a, like a gift, a rose or a card or something. And this actually came to me last night, so it's not like very impromptu. I actually had some time to think this through. So here's what I want to do for you on Mother's Day, what I give to you, moms and grandmas. Um, as I, It is my way of ministering that I will get involved in the lives of the... Uh, so those who are adults that attend Share City Church, as I get to know them and hear about their sons and daughters, adult sons and daughters, I will get involved in their lives. I start praying for them because you know they're not going to church or they're struggling out there. And then I pray, and then when I see the openings, I then pursue these uh, these people. And uh, Christy and I, she does it with me, my family. And it might start with a text, an email, but we keep at it, and we have seen some phenomenal results happen. Micah, I'm looking out there, he's here today. You know, uh, Ryan was here. Um, Kaylee was here this morning. Jackie's up here as a result of that. Uh, Jim Murphy's son has been here the last That Guy wasn't in church for 20-something years, and two months ago, started coming into church on a Sunday. And all that is Christy and I ministering in this way, putting legs to our prayers, right? Uh, um, Lenny, who plays bass, the Haley's son hadn't been in church in who knows how long. Uh, Diane, their other daughter, had walked away from church at 17 years old for, I don't know, maybe 30 years, and she's been coming in. I'm just telling you, we're talking about a lot of people. And this is what we do. It's just how my pastor showed me how to minister. It's what we do. So here's what, here's what I, I say that because you're a mom, you're a grandmother. I got four months May, June, July, and August. So I've been setting that time to rest, to reflect, to recast vision, to see what we're going next. This incredible group that you are. But in the midst of that, if you send me an email saying, Pastor, here is my child. Could you pray for this? I will. I promise you. I promise you. I'll pray and pray and pray for them. Two, Pastor. Here's a way you can connect to them. I think they'd be open to it. Put their email down. Give me their cell phone number, and I will work to, and I will connect with them. I promise you, I will connect with them. Okay? So that's my gift to you, Mom, and to you, Grandmother, that your pastor will serve you and will connect to your child who you think needs help, needs somebody, or or you want to see come into church. And I, just, and I just encourage you to pursue that because again, this is something that came to me really deeply as I was laying there and, I, and, and all of this is part of God's mercy. You know, mercy is love. Mercy is just hope, huh? Mercy is God giving us more than we could have imagined. So what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna place your hope in today? Your circumstances or your Savior? How are you going to nurture these relationships? Even you, you might be in here today, maybe today's the day you want to contact your mom. Say, Mom, you want to show love and forgiveness and affection to your mom today. Because you can, because you just feel God's mercy being showered on you. You feel those disappointments just, just leaving your mind and being diminished. And like, what am I carrying? What have I been doing? I'm disappointed in me about things we haven't even gotten to. I haven't even crossed that bridge yet. And already, I'm disappointed in myself as a mom. No more. Today, you think of your children, you think of your future from a place of hope in God, yes? You talk to yourself today in a godly, holy way. You don't get to choose your disappointments, but you do get to choose where you place your hope in. I want, what I want you to hear is that Jesus is worthy of your ultimate hope. He showed it by giving his life for you. He showed it by his resurrection from the grave. He showed it by his promise to return. When Yeah, Hallelujah. When you came in this morning, you were given a connection card. On one side of that card, it says, my next step. You see, and one line says, I am starting a new relationship with Jesus. I'm renewing my relationship. What does that mean, I'm starting a new relationship with Jesus? It doesn't mean I'm going to stop this now. I'm going to start this now. It doesn't mean I have to change this. It means I am placing my hope in Jesus. That's what it is. It's not about what I've done or will do. It's about what Jesus has done. I am placing my hope in that my sins are forgiven because Jesus gave his life on the cross, paid for my sins. I'm putting my hope in Jesus because Jesus rose from the grave to tell me that I will have eternal life and I will be with him in heaven. I'm placing my hope in Jesus. That's what it means to begin. It's about a profession, it's not about a, necessarily, don't get me wrong, about a commitment to be here a certain way. That's sanctification. That's the process. Right now, it's about a profession of faith in Jesus, of hope in Jesus. I am hoping in Jesus today. If that's you, you check that box off. I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus. My God, thank you for your mercy that you have brought me here. I am walking around saturated with disappointment. Do I look at my spouse, my children, the, the way I look at even my wife, the way, the way I just, the lens I look through life, it's is just, I, I see it, like I, I could do something so awesome, like 660 people on Easter. But then I see these disappointments. No. No, God. No, no, no. My hope is in you, Jesus. I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus. Today, I begin to live out my life of faith by placing it in hope and not being in a place of disappointment continually. I live for hope. I am talking to myself today. Yes, check that box off. Bring the card to the guest services table today. Just make that commitment today. You know, I do that. When I'm going to commit to something and I feel I'm wrestling with it, I just put it right out there, man. Now I'm accountable. Now I know it's real. Now I'm going to move forward on it. Now I put some legs to it. Listen, Jesus lived his life in a way to show us how to handle disappointment. He often experienced disappointment. His cousin John the Baptist was murdered for his faith in God. Jesus lost friends. They betrayed him. They walked away from him. In the midst of these sad moments, what did Jesus do? He didn't wallow in disappointment. No, he didn't succumb to despair. Jesus, you see, Jesus had unshakable hope in what God was calling to him, calling him to and who he was. He had unshakable hope. He had hope for you, unshakable hope in you. Today, place your hope in that same Jesus. To God be the glory.